Welcome to season six of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Gretemann Group and Xdan. This show is for all levels of experience talking marketing and business with the best guests in the industry. Two guarantees that we maintain you will learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 128 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing. Of course, this show is brought to you by Powers of Marketing. We focus on strategic content creation, including podcast and event production, hosting, and emceeing. I am without my lovely co-host today, Miss Jen Cole. You will get her next time, but I'm super excited to have on the show today Someone who was a former a client, I guess, of mine. And now I'm working at the company where she was my client. Welcome to the show, Rachel Bruce. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Megan. And yes, we did have a very brief customer relationship as I departed and moved to a new company. But I have had the pleasure of staying in touch with you. And I am very happy to be here. Yeah, I our listeners will know I was at Event Marketing Partners and Rachel was with VGS and they were my customer and now I work for VGS and she is no longer there. But we are catching up on all the to-dos about everything going on with each of us in our new roles. And so I was thinking about it in 127 episodes, we haven't done a growth marketing show. We haven't done an account-based marketing show. And so I thought, or field marketing. So I thought it would be fun to just kind of explore these three different kinds of marketing, which it's all marketing, right? Like it's just different, you know, how you want to frame it. How you, I don't you know, know that I'd say that, Megan. What? <laughs> I don't know that I'd say it's all marketing, but yes. Okay. Well, we'll get into we'll get all into of that, those but... <laughs> things are growth drivers. I am so with you and I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. No, but it's funny though, because like you get in your kind of like down the lane that you're on and then all of a sudden you realize there there's all sorts of different kinds of marketing now. Like I was like out of the blue, I was like, oh, okay. And now we're not calling it marketing operations. We're calling it revenue operations. And there's all these different, actually, we did do a show on RevOps, but anyway, I digress. So remember when um, digital marketing was digital marketing, not paid media, you know? Yes. Remember when it was marketing, not account-based marketing? I mean, you know, we're marketers. We always have to toss in a new word to, you know, get people wondering. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let me read your bio. Rachel Bruce is Senior Director of Marketing at Moogsoft, an AI ops company where she leads the marketing function prior to Moogsoft. Rachel and I worked together at a fintech startup called VGS where she oversaw demand generation. Rachel spent time in cybersecurity along with the indirect channel. She has more than 10 years of marketing experience, mostly within cybersecurity and SaaS companies. Rachel resides in the Chicago suburbs with her husband and two sons. Fun, fun, fun. Okay. I'm going to start off with, I don't think I've asked anyone this yet, but I've been like dying to, I think maybe one person I've asked. So what is a commonly held belief in our industry that you passionately disagree with in marketing? Commonly held belief or just something that is like a hot take that I 
may or may not like. Either way, I think based on what I think you're going to say, it's a commonly held belief that it's that you absolutely have to do it. So oh, I think video is crap. <laughs> I am just, I don't know. I think it's just that I'm impatient. I, it might be that I'm a control freak. I'm not sure, but I don't want to sit there for three to five minutes for, to wait for you to get to the point that I could easily skim for in 25 seconds. So, or do control F and get my instructions or whatever it is. So today I may or may not have texted Megan (laughs) on um, LinkedIn live snafu that happened. And when I texted, I was in the midst of trying to find instructions to solve my problem. And all I could get was videos. Like, I don't have time for a video right now. I just want a couple bullets. I'm a huge fan of like SOPs standard operating procedures Mm -hmm. and docs pages. I don't know. Maybe that's why I end up in all these tech companies and that are like so DevOps heavy, but yeah, I'm just not really a video person. All right. That's fair. It's funny though, because like we've done so many shows on how hot video is and how video has to be part of your marketing mix. And so I think there's a good balance though, right? I mean, the irony is that you were trying to go live on video when you were having trouble and then all you could find were video instructions. So, but you know, like everyone loves their YouTube and that's the thing is like, I hear you, but also like I'm a very, I'm a visual person too. So I like when I can hear someone talking about it and showing me how to do it, but Mm -hmm. you were in panic. You were like, you were trying to get to the the customer and get live. Did you ever get live by the way? Never got live. We rescheduled it. Okay. Yeah. Real bummer. But I I think, you know, you do, you like what you like. And I yeah. never really got into videos. So I was never much of a YouTuber or anything like that. So I will look at like photo guides and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it is really nice. Some of the AI creator tools out there. And so it makes it a lot easier to spit it out versus how it was before. But just an area that never resonated with me. All right. All right. That's fair. We're, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about all the things marketing. So. I think how marketing and sales work together has really evolved over the years in terms of like how marketing isn't just, you know, trying to drive brand awareness. Marketing is trying to help drive, help fill pipeline. So anyway, things keep changing, right? As we talked about. So I think that we have account-based marketing, which is essentially customer marketing, right? And we'll get into that growth marketing and field marketing. You know, I interviewed for a job with Intuit several years ago and I didn't have any for a field marketing position. I didn't have any sales experience and that's why I didn't get the job. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And then I went and I got all this sales experience and now field marketing, I don't know if it's something different or not, but anyway, I'm doing it. That's part of my title now. <laughs> so it's like part of my job now. Once we get through all this trade show madness, then we'll start getting into that, into field marketing. But Anyway, I just think it goes to show how every company is different, how they approach field marketing and all. So anyway, I want to talk about all three. So let's Absolutely. start. Yeah, let's start with growth. So from your perspective, what is growth marketing and like, how does it differ, do you think, from other sorts of general marketing? I mean, I think growth is exactly what you just said. I mean, or what I said, growth. I mean, you're driving looking for programs to drive growth within the business. So there are a couple ways that I'm looking for my little document right now, because there are several ways I like to outline this. And one of the things that I do from a growth perspective is align with sales. I mean, how are you going to grow your business and put out marketing programs from the ivory tower of marketing without 
getting your feet on the street and hearing from the front line. So to me, when I talk about growth marketing, I talk about lead creation, driving leads to opportunities, engaging your existing customer base. And then of course, there is that standard component of brand awareness and overall thought leadership that you need to represent so that you can kind of get those people at the very top of the funnel before they enter. But to me, it's a mix of all of those things. And as you were mentioning with the relationship with sales, the relationship of a growth marketer and demand gen is very contingent on all the other functions of marketing. So if we don't have a strong brand statement, if we don't have a good boilerplate, if we don't have overall messaging, it's really hard to execute an event. If we don't have a message guide, it's really hard to put out really good paid media and digital advertising. So all of those pieces work together in such um, such rhythm. I know mm-hmm. there's an expression there, but I never get oh. them right. Um, <laughs> that, that works now. Rhythm is yeah. good. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I it, that's one of the biggest things I think is that we look at these as independent functions, but it's really important that you understand components of all of them and your relationship with those people. Because my relationship with sales is absolutely instrumental in the handoff and how they're consuming the leads, what programs they're coming from. And if they think that I have a proper grasp on the programs to create, because I mean, I think that any salesperson who would listen to this, or we all watch Corporate Bro on Instagram, make fun of how marketing, you know, gets a lead and then, you know, has a three-day offsite retreat because like we celebrate (laughs) everything. Not totally accurate. We also recognize that the importance of the handoff is there. But if you guys don't trust the programs we're doing and you guys don't trust us, as professionals that are here to support the growth of the business and the sales organization, then you're not going to work the lead the same way as you would something that maybe you were outbounding. So right. No, I don't know totally. if I answered your question, but I think, you know, there's some nuggets there. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And it hit me as you're talking that your title before was demand generation. And now the person who is in your seat, his title is head of growth marketing. So demand and growth, like what was the distinction for you in being in that being your title, do you think? It made no sense. Oh, I think okay. it's just words. Yeah. I think, you know, it just depends on the organization and how you want to phrase it. I'm sure that there is a distinction. If I went on LinkedIn and I compared them, I would say that growth might have a little bit more to do with partnerships these days and channel. But yeah, that's fair. To be honest, I have not dove into that. Maybe HR could tell us. Got it. (laughs) Well, it's funny too, because it was like, oh, well, there's only so many titles in bamboo, like in the HR system. And so, you know, he's like, you can call yourself whatever you want. He's like, but you know, in the system, you're, I'm I'm a senior marketing manager. So it's just kind of funny. I'm like, okay. Okay. Here, the Google. Yeah. Demand Gen is about creating awareness and interest in a product or service. The goal is to generate leads that can be converted, where growth is about acquiring and retaining customers. Interesting. So growth, okay. I guess, has the customer component as a call out. All right. So according to actually, LinkedIn, who we're mad at right now. So Right, right. So let's talk about account-based marketing. For me, I feel like this is more of a nurture play, making a strategic effort to market to existing customers to try to get them to buy other products. And this 
you know, upgrade or whatever. And this may involve customer success. It should actually, you know, instead of there being a funnel, it should be a flywheel, you know, marketing, sales, customer success, marketing, you know, it should all work together. So what do you think the benefit of account-based marketing is? Like, how do you think it works with sales and customer success? Am I going to date myself by using the term integrated marketing program? No. Because I'm pretty sure account-based marketing is just a new way to say integrated marketing program and do a better job with your segments. Like now to be fair though, there are some companies that do amazing jobs with account-based marketing. They are very customized in the deliverable that they're sharing. I got an inbound the other day from an SDR and this email was something about like my website conversion or something like almost like an alarming accusation of a subject line. I wish I had it to show you. I'm sure I could dig it up. But then I went in there and they were like, why are you not converting here or something about my website journey? And I clicked on the link. Don't worry, I verified that it was an accurate link and everything beforehand. So I click on the link and it was an entirely customized page for me and my business, making recommendations with my logo, how the site should look, certain components there. And I was like, wow, this is really nice. I think the offering was on, what do they call it? Progressive profiling on web forms. Mm -hmm. And it was really nice. It was a way to, I think, kind of instigate like less friction, which is actually funny because I know one of your questions is going to be about my favorite book. And my favorite book is about removing friction. So Mm -hmm. all of it comes together. But when it comes down to it, I think there are some companies that do an awesome job in personalization. But to me, account-based marketing is also just like, getting getting your shit together. I don't know if I can say that, but um, getting to the point where it's like, how are you getting enough touches to these targets in a timely fashion with targeted messaging that will allow them to convert? And you know, when it comes down to it, we all know some of the other stereotypes of marketing where marketing is very activity-driven. I think account-based marketing gives us a perspective on performance and the effectiveness of your programs. And, you know, what is it now? 20-some touches for a lead to convert? I oh, mean, really? I think it is still. Oh, so I thought it was when seven. It comes, I think it's to be a sales-ready lead. Is oh, seven. I see. And for the lead to convert is 20 something. And so think about that. There's you and me on the growth side. Then we have an SDR team who's doing touches. Then they might be doing searches on their own because they have some sort of, you know, awareness or problem that they're trying to solve where all of a sudden, in my case, AI ops is showing up. Well, now I'm also advertising to them. And I'm higher up on their Google search results. And maybe now they're going to see me on LinkedIn and my SDR is calling them. And then I'm going to be at the event. Now we've hit them with 10, 15 touches and we can get a little bit more personalized with some of the direct mail programs or the deliverables in saying, hey, why don't you check out this trial or you know how we can modify your web page or whatever it is. So I think that there's a lot of personalization capabilities there that is really the direction account-based marketing is moving into. But to me, I view it very much as the same thing as integrated marketing programs. Just are you doing one-to-one? Are you doing one-to-few? Or are you doing one-to-many? Right, right. I don't know okay. if I oversimplified that. No, no, you no. I love this. Is that's perfect? Actually, yeah. All right. So field marketing. I mean, this ties in with events. 
for me, field marketing is more intimate, like having C-level roundtable dinners, like you mentioned, a, a road show, like where you're maybe doing breakfast and learns or, you know, there are things like that that are in key markets, you know, trying to get together with your customers in a way that you're either showing them a nice time or teaching them something or, you know, whatever, all the things. We also have events, clearly, like as a thing. I'm at a trade show right now and getting people to stay in the booth so that they actually talk to the customers. So I'm like, I mean, I'm not the salesperson. I did all this to help you guys drive pipeline. So it would be good if you were in the booth and meeting the prospects. So, but anyway, so we're going more towards after this heavy trade show season into more field marketing. So what, for you, what is field marketing and what, what like role do you think it plays in the whole integrated? I mean, please don't check our definitions with like Harvard no. Business School or Wharton no, or no, something. No, no. But no. to me, field marketing is programs in the field, plain and simple. It's Anything. alignment with your sales team. So what does your rep want to do? If my rep wants to do a top golf because he thinks that's what his audience is going to like, my rep wants to do a campaign to energy companies about ESG because that's what he thinks his audience wants or she thinks the audience wants. That's what we're going to do because they know their segment. They know what the saturation is within the region that they're working. And yeah. it's our job as marketers to align with them to have a little bit of understanding and respect for how they're viewing their territory and then make it professional, scale it, make it accessible for a broader audience and deliver that in a program that can drive a lot more results than a single person can do. Yeah. Well, and I think too, the nice thing about those environments is there's peer to peer also. So they're not just like learning from us or, you know, or being sold to, they're also getting to talk to people who are doing the same thing as them and being able to get their perspective. Cause you know, we all know people would rather, but someone talking to them from a stage, people would rather talk to somebody who's doing what they're doing and getting. There's advice. a reason Amazon became so popular. Everyone loves a review. They love feedback. Now, another hot take, I usually don't read the reviews and then I regret it after my purchase needs to be returned. So maybe don't take my advice. But when it comes down to it, people do want to hear from other people, especially when purchasing a technology and driving something forward. I mean, I would say most of us probably make a large portion of our decisions based on referrals from other people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if you're just generally speaking too, if you're like both in there, even if you haven't bought the product, if you're both in there and experiencing this, like, so the chief wine officer events that I host, they're sponsored, right? There's somebody, mm -hmm. there's a company there that's paid to have this event done. And they're also getting to taste wine, but while also then getting to talk about the business challenges that they have, and then getting to hear from other people on the call who may be going through the same thing. And so I think that's a nice byproduct of field marketing events. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is the big ask that I get at my company and honestly, at most of the companies I've been at because the users also want to talk to each other. So not mm -hmm. only is it an opportunity for, you know, prospects to engage, but your users, your customers, they might use your solution differently than one another. And if your solution is, you know, worth its weight, there's many ways that it can be deployed. Now, it's very hard as a marketer, especially in startup organizations like both you and I work, to be able to have that documentation and everything built out in such a robust way. But you can get two people in a room, they can learn from each other, and they can set it up pretty darn quickly. And let's be honest, they're probably far more technical than you and I. So, yeah, you know, yeah. coming up with that documentation would be hard in itself. But that type of stuff is very valuable. And I think, you know, there 
And people appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and even at this show, we've been, we're just hearing people talk about a pain point that they have. And we're like, oh, several people have this pain point. And so then it has become a very interesting conversation with all of these people around how, well, how do we solve for it? So we work together to solve for this. And then, you know, like with any partnership, you lift each other up because you're like recommending each other. And so um, rising tide the, lifts all boats. Yeah. Growth can be more exponential if there's two of you, you know, together hitting prospects at the same time as well. So, all right. All very good. All right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit uh, big picture about how they all work together or like, do you think you, you tackle one at a time or is it really just a, a facade? Like, is it all integrated marketing and we're just trying all the different programs, you know, like in a large company like ServiceNow, for example, it's really, it's a lot easier for them to them all at the same time because they have so many people, but a smaller org like we're in, it, it could be more challenging. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's a tough question because you're right. It varies by organization, but I think no matter what, I've gone into small companies and I've gone into big companies and I've mostly had the same process and it's auditing. It's auditing the structure that exists ensuring a strong foundation, which in my mind begins with operations and reporting, flowing into how you're handling any inbound leads created. So do you have nurture? Do you have the right operations in place? Do you have the right handoff with sales? Do you have the right communication mechanisms? All of that needs to be well-oiled before you're going to be filling that funnel. And so to me, yeah, I'll keep programs going. I'll oftentimes pull back substantially until those programs are properly in place. And then you can kind of fuel things and, you know, toss fuel on the fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's yeah. the expression. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I was looking at a meme the other day that was like mixing up those common sayings. Metaphors. Yeah. I am the queen of that. So, you know, I'm sure I probably already dropped three of them in here, yeah, but yeah, I love a good so, mix metaphor. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's, it's all about that foundation because yeah. how can you tell us something successful as well? You know, why am I going to spend money? And most of the times, whether it's, you know, there's not infinite dollars even at ServiceNow, right? So mm -hmm. how do you know your program's successful? And let's be honest, ServiceNow is probably a little bit more cautious on pulling programs that aren't functioning and aren't working. Whereas for us, you have a little bit more time to see if something's going to fail. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's my perception. I yeah. also know that, you know, marketing is one of those areas that if you don't like to fail, you better not do it because you are testing and iterating, testing and iterating. And, you know, people can view that very differently. And some people can be really challenged by say, saying you ran a program that didn't work. Hey, listen, I ran a program that got 10x the amount of leads that I wanted. I would say 5% of those leads were leads I wanted. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my quantity was exceptional. My quality was terrible. Is that a success or a failure? We learned a lot. We're going to do better on the next one. This is part of a series. But without our foundational components in place, without that sales feedback loop, without having this information on hand and that operational component, I would have no idea. So right. that's my point of view. Yeah, totally. Well, and I'm of the theory that I'd rather have only eight really high quality leads than having had 80 or 800 conversations, that's just a waste of all of our time. Like yep. the Finnovate conference, it was fairly slow. The long, the hours were long. Like we didn't get a ton of, I think we ended up with like 37 booth scans in three full days, but 14 of them are hot. 
So Amazing. it's like, I prefer that over the volume for sure. Because what did you say earlier? Time. The rest is a distraction. Well, so yeah. yeah. So interesting. Okay. All right. So obviously you think events are valuable. I helped her with events when, um, yes. when we were together. Um, so I'm curious on your take about just attending or sponsoring versus having a booth. And I know we talked about a little bit about this in the pre-show, but you know, I think there are some people who think that the booth isn't necessary and there's others that think it's a necessary evil. And there's others that think that it's just like, it's amazing and you got to do it for brand awareness. So where do you stand on booth versus no well, booth versus? I think you kind of teed this up really nicely with your last statement of what would you rather have? Mm-hmm. A crap ton of leads or 37 or 13 really good ones. It depends. So right. events well, you can are- still get to play devil's advocate. You can still get leads at a show without exhibiting. I did it as a salesperson. Oh, yeah. So is the booth necessary? Ex- kind of what I was getting to though, Megan. I mean, you okay, and I know how much work this is, right? Yes. Like when it comes down to an event, I don't think that people realize your simple presence at a booth is a full-time job in preparation. Then staffing the booth, making sure people are saying the right things, making sure they're engaging people, making sure you have video, the right graphics on your booth, the right swag, how you're capturing leads from that swag. There's a lot that goes into that. And that doesn't even include any pre-event promotion and follow-up, okay? Now, you can have a large portion of that work in doing a side event. You know, last time you and I were together, we had the booth. Then we also had a side event that was a breakfast, that was a panel discussion at the same time. I mean, amongst the two, you can look at the data easier than me because I'm no longer at that company, Mm -hmm. but you can see which one was probably more valuable in generating revenue. So I oftentimes present that question that you asked me to my leadership and my sales team. Now, if I have a very lean marketing team, I might not want to do a booth because it is a lot of work and a very substantial cost. Now, if the team is willing to invest in it, it's great brand awareness. There is a way that you can fill your database with those pe- with a lot of people that might convert in years to come if you nurture them properly. But it's not going to be one of those things where you're quickly converting 25 people into opportunities 90% of the time. Right. So it truly depends on what your objectives are. And if, you know, I, for instance, am not sponsoring one of the larger events at the end of this year. But instead, we are going to do a like whiskey tasting, a dinner, things like that that are adjacent to the event by being there at the same time and like you said, collecting leads within the event as salespeople walk around, network, etc. Mm-hmm. There are ways to do it. It just depends on how strategic you are and how much you want to spend. So I don't have a solid yes or no answer on it. I go about it both ways in depending on the situation. And sometimes you kind of have to go about that guerrilla marketing structure that uh, you yeah. may have been raised on. Yeah, totally. Just but so, so long as you don't compete with show organized stuff, because then that can really come back to bite you, in my opinion. So yeah, that's fair. It is definitely, it all depends. I do think a little bit like when your competition is all exhibiting and then you're not exhibiting, I feel like it looks like maybe you couldn't 
you know, like not like it was a conscious decision, but like that you maybe you're not doing as well, you know, as that kind of thing. So it's an an interesting game. As marketers, we use that as a selling tactic if we want to be there. But I don't know. I mean, I have not ever kind of pulled the audience on that of what what their perception is. So that might be something that you and I should explore this year on certain events and ask prospects. Yeah. Ask them, would they have a different take on us if we didn't have a booth? Is that what you mean? Well, for instance, you guys will do reInvent, right? Is your largest competitor doing reInvent? What if you didn't do reInvent? And, you know, ask some of the opportunities that are created after that event. Oh, you were there. Did you notice we weren't? Does that make an impact to you? Questions like that. I mean, or what do you think about that? I don't know. You know, some of the conversations you're able to have with people organically are very different than what I could script right now. But I would almost socialize that at like happy hour or something and see what people say, especially the buyers and how they perceive it. Because a lot of times people don't care at all if you have a good product and you have good content. So that's... Okay. Well, that's, I guess that's a whole other show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I want... And if you don't want to answer this, we, we can skip it. But I, I thought it would be fun to have you look into your crystal ball and share what you think the next big thing in marketing is. Next big thing in marketing. I mean, I don't know that it's the next big thing. I think it's the big thing right now that we're all going to have to adapt to and learn how to leverage is generative AI. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about something that can make all of our jobs easier. Yeah. So between blog writing down to like meta descriptions and stuff like that, I mean, there is a lot of value in something like generative AI, including graphics. So I think that's one area that we all need to get smarter on. And mm-hmm. I will say, I'm going to go to the Gartner conference next week. It's a marketing conference and I'll have some better notes for you after that. But, you know, I think it's interesting. Stuff changes, but it also doesn't really change. I mean, just the terms right. change, like we talked about earlier. So we'll stay tuned. Yeah. But generative AI, you're right, is is uh, this is unlike anything that has come before it. And it's a little scary. It's a little amazing. It's a little bit of everything. We we did a show on it. We had the show planned and it was the same week that Google announced Bard and Microsoft announced whatever yeah. there. And we're like, whoa, like we, we both were like, we felt like we were studying for a college exam because it was so to try to keep up on it leading up to the show. We did the show live too. But then of course we're like, he even qualified it. Like everything, by the time you listen to this, everything might've changed. Um, that is definitely one. It's hard to keep for up sure. on. We'll, we'll have to, I like to have this show be evergreen. And so anyone could listen back at any show and have it still provide value. But I do. So, think- hold on. I want to ask you a question because I have not used generative AI. My team has in many areas. I personally have not. I've reviewed the content it's created. But I want to know from you, do you have a preference? Because there are a variety of tools now. So I only have tried chat GPT, but I didn't get, I just asked it questions. I didn't, and it was at the peak when everyone was using it and it was like, or they were updating it or whatever. So it wasn't really yeah. working properly for me. It answered the questions that I asked in a okay way, but I will say that on the Descoped VGS podcast, I had Stefan ran uh, this transcript through, I, I think it was chat GPT. And honestly, the show notes that it produced blew my mind. Like I couldn't believe how well it was written and how accurate it was about the highlights of what was talked about. 
So, I mean, turn that into a blog and it's like you have a content marketer right there for you. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. We need to and that's good stuff. Evil. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that that's not my space. You know, when yeah. I was in cybersecurity, I'd have a lot more fear, but right now I'm just happy about it. It's really <laughs> handy for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. A business book that you recommend for our readers. Give it to so us. I- was talking about it before about removing friction. And I think the catalyst is an unbelievable book, honestly, for anyone. I think, you know, Jonah Berger, I believe is like a Wharton professor in marketing, but it's designed a lot about making effective marketing content. You know, there's a lot of components in that of how to remove friction in the sales cycle. But then when you get down to it, and he shares more stories throughout the book, the whole component is how do you change someone's mind, which is the subtitle, like, how do you leverage this type of conversation to sell internally so that you can get your project funded or to get yourself elevated into the next position or to generate awesome marketing or sales programs, you know? So it's a really cool book. I think there's some interesting stories in there. I think he did a great job with it. Um, so I have a couple others that I love, but that one is my favorite right now. You can share another one if you want. Oh, the other ones are like painfully boring, but oh. I am a big fan <laughs> of playing to win, which I think is really helpful as you really want to be strategic in marketing programs and like product releases. So that's not as interesting. I always advise the audiobook of these types of books. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it makes I, it I, easier. yeah, totally. As a podcaster, you know, I'm always down for the promoting the listening. Yeah. Getting to get in listen mode. Well, this is so much fun. Thank you for joining me. I'm I'm really glad not only that I got to catch up with you and, and have our listeners um hear your wisdom, but just that we got to talk about these types of marketing programs because just can't believe we haven't before. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And I did remember now that I'm looking at your background, that Gartner conference, I believe is in your neck of the woods. Because I totally, yeah, but I always think you're San Francisco because you are such a rampant Chiefs fan or um, Niners fan. Yes, my bad, same colors. Uh, Um, Yeah, yeah. So I always think of you as San Francisco because of your your love for the San Francisco sports teams. Yes. Okay. Well, we will. We'll text about that. We'll circle back on that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks so much, Rachel. All right. Friends, this has been episode 128 of the Making a Marketer podcast, and we will catch you next time.